We do not want to be that third guy. That's the sermon today in, in, in one sentence. We do not want to be that third guy. You know, can you imagine getting to the, the end of your life and thinking, I've buried everything because I was scared I was going to fail? How miserable that would be. You don't even need to be thrown into the darkness. You're already there. I mean, that was how it would, I think it would feel. We're going to talk about that today, and we're doing it as part of a sermon series that we've been doing where we're talking about facing fear. And last week we talked about sort of facing fear in general and facing fear of the future. Today we're going to talk about the fear of failure. And the next week we got one more, one more go and topic Look as we face down some of our fears. But today we're talking about this idea of the fear of failure. And I want to go into three different things that I think will help us um, not be the third guy, not go bury our stuff in the ground because we're afraid of what's going to happen. And the, the very first one of these, I think, is a little, is, is surprisingly to me in a way, countercultural today in that so much of our society today thinks that everybody should be perfect. And if you're not, we're going to bury you in Siberia forever because you've got stuff wrong. It seems to me we have more and more of that culture but the reality of it is every single person in this room is going to fail and does fail. And that's just part of what it means. You know, it's like you can think of the little sort of proverbial child learning to walk. You're going to fall, you get up, you fall, get up. That's just how life is. And that's how we learn. And we fail and we get up. Everybody fails, right? And there are lots of ways you can look at this. I mean, I saw an article as I was preparing for this that was going into some of the um, just statistics, sort of more or less in, the, in various aspects of life. But think about these, these numbers for a minute. 75% of venture capital-backed startups fail. 95% don't meet their initial expectations. 40% of CEOs don't last 18 months. 70 to 90% of mergers and acquisitions fail to add shareholder value. 95% of new products introduced in a given year fail. Um, 88%, this is one where maybe we might be thinking about, I don't mean to discourage you on this one. 88% of New Year's resolutions end in failure. 100% of all human bodies fail. I mean, we know this. And one of the things I like is um, everybody deals with failure. I think that's something we hold on to. I, I kind of like it when a company comes around to owning that, like that we fail on some stuff. And I saw the other day where Elon Musk on his... He's having problems with Tesla, but we're talking about SpaceX for a minute. On SpaceX, they've rounded the curve enough that now they're able to kind of poke fun at some of their failures. And they've loaded up a video on YouTube of some of their failures from the past. And so you know SpaceX, they're the guys putting um, stuff into space, trying to use, reuse the rockets. So they bring them back and try to land them. And the first go at this, like the first number of goes they had at this were just miserable. And now they put out this video that kind of makes fun of their own failures. But I, I love that they do that. But it's some of the stuff like Elon Musk is on the video saying they're watching this rocket blow up. And he says, oh, it's just a scratch. <laughs> or one that they show parts just of this thing just flown all over the ground saying, well, technically it did land. <laughs> or, or defending his phrase he likes to use when one of these things blows up is rapid unscheduled disassembly. And he goes on from there with all these things. But now they've gone on where now they've done like 18 of these rockets they've sent up and brought back. And, and so they're, they're, they've come down that curve, right? And they've, and they've learned from it. But sometimes if a company doesn't learn, um, culture will 
give them some hard stuff back in return. I saw uh, recently, it was been, it's been less than a year ago that United had that big issue where they dragged that guy off the plane and all that. And they didn't quite make fun of it, and they shouldn't have for a long time, right? But that didn't prevent the Twitter sphere from helping them with it. So the Twitter sphere came up with a few uh, United mottos that they might adopt. I don't know if you saw some of these. Um, one was, would you like a neck pillow or a neck brace? <laughs> we put the hospital in hospitality. <laughs> or the one I like was, we have red eye and black eye flights. <laughs> but, you know, the, the reality of it is there are lots of things that, um, that we do that, that are failures. And on the spiritual realm for a minute, Scripture tells us that we all are going to fail. Like in trying to live out what God calls us to do, that we're all going to fail. It just says straight out, everybody fails in Romans 3.23 or elsewhere that we all are going to make mistakes. That's just part of what it means. And for those of us who've been in ministry for a long time, of course, we've also seen it at a very practical level. You've seen, you know, baptisms go really wrong. You know, I, I can think of one of my early baptisms. I wasn't doing it. I was just assisting it. But I can't believe this priest did this. Um, uh, he, he allowed this... Uh, it was an infant baptism with immersion. I've never seen this in my life, ever. But they had a warm, big, huge thing of water, and he was going to try something new, so he was going to allow this. And he took this boy down into the water naked, warm water, and came up, and you know what happened next. <laughs> can, we, can we use a sacred towel for that? I don't know. It was... Or my... I've said this before, but my favorite video on the entire internet is, is one of these kind of fails. Anytime I'm down, I go look at this video. I've seen it 50 times. I still, cry, I still laugh and cry every time I see it. It is this Roman Catholic wedding where um, the whole wedding party comes up and they get up and it's on, it's on a hardwood, like slate, or sorry, a slate floor. And they all get into place. And as soon as they get into place, the best man who no doubt has a rented tux that he hasn't adjusted very well, he literally, I mean, literally his pants fall to the floor. And you hear the clink of the belt on the ground, and he picks him up real fast, and the, and the groom is over here, and he goes, oh, that's classic. And then he starts giggling, and he cannot, that, that, it just destroyed their wedding. I mean, they're up there, he's, try, he's trying to do vows, like these lifelong, serious vows, and he, he's just sitting there laughing, and the, the priest is trying to make light of it and everything else, but it's just, you know, it's just, it's just terrible. We all fail. I think we can take comfort in that, that we all fail. And I think the interesting thing about this is that that little voice that sometimes wants to say to you, you don't really, you don't have this. You don't really, you don't got this. I mean, kind of thing doesn't go away for many of us. I saw an interview with, or heard an interview with Tom Hanks in the last year where he was on Fresh Air with Terry Gross. And he's talking about this. Now, now, now pause for a second and think about this. He's done like 70 movies or programs. He's got multiple Oscars. And he still faces this down, this little voice always talking about this. He says, no matter what we've done, there comes a point where you think, how did I get here? When are they going to discover that I'm in fact a fraud and take everything away from me? He goes on to talk about how every movie he does, he's worried that he's not going to bring the emotion with it. And he still, he still worries about failure, even though he's done, had this great career, multiple Oscars, 70, you know, still worries about it. And I think that's the little voice we hear. But the reality of it is we all fail and we need to relax with it. That's the first thing. The second thing of the three that I want to look at today 
is to stop and think about, you know, when we fail, we get something wrong, it's not a complete loss. Like, there's actually things that can be learned or gained or some kind of upside from it. And, and you think about this even with our, with our gospel lesson today from Matthew, that the, two, the first two are putting that money at risk, but they gained. And, and that's the way it works. There's this risk and reward thing that, that kind of goes together, that there's always the more you risk, you can lose it, but there's also this, this bigger upside that goes with it, right? I mean, that's just part of the way it is. And we think about nothing ventured, nothing gained. We know these, we know these things, right? But I think it also comes down to us at a personal level. And we don't oftentimes think about the upside or the good side or, or what's good about failure. But one, on this one passage that is really famous, we talk about a lot, but this Romans 8.28 that says that all things work for good with those who love God and are called according to his purposes. I think when we fail, we give it to God. He will use it. It may not be what we wanted. We still would avoid it to this day. But if we surrender it to him, he will use it in some way for good if we let him, if we'll surrender it to him. And I think there are lots of ways we can look at that. We can think about learning. Like you learn from failures. We talked about SpaceX a minute ago. They did all these failures, but they got now where they've, they've got this trajectory. They're learning from it. And I think that's the way it is with us as well. I always think about Thomas Edison, who um, right before I think he got the light bulb right, he'd gone through 10,000 tries. And he said, well, we know 10,000 ways that don't work, Right? I don't know if it was 10,001, but it was shortly after that that they got it, right? So we, we can learn from it. Or we think about how we discover what our skills are. Or we um, develop sk skills or talents. All these things can come from failure. Or one of the gifts of failure is learning to be humble. Or many, I think many failures can mold us, right? Into whoever God wants us to be if we keep surrendering it to him. And I always think about this, you know, like to me, the most amazing example of this, I, I'm still looking for one that can beat this. But every time I read this, I'm just astounded that this guy never gave up. So just listen to this one real fast. Talk about how failures can mold us. When he was seven years old, his family was forced out of his home because of a legal technicality. He had to work to help support his family. At age nine, while still a backwards, shy little boy, his mother died. At age 22, he lost his job as a store clerk. He wanted to go to law school, but his education wasn't good enough. At 23, he went into debt to become a partner in a small store, and then a few years later, his partner dies, and he gets saddled with a bunch of debt. At, tw at age 28, after developing a romantic relation with a young lady for four years, he asks for a hand in marriage, and she says, no. At age 37, on his third try, he's finally elected to Congress. Two years later, he ran again and failed to be reelected. He had a nervous breakdown this time. At age 41, adding to additional heartache and an unhappy marriage, his four-year-old son died. The next year, he ran for land, land office and lost. At age 45, he ran for the Senate and lost. At age 49, he ran for the Senate again and lost. At age 51, he's elected president of the United States. Presidential scholars will know that that's Abe Lincoln. I think failure, if we keep coming, getting off the ground and keep leaning into it and giving it to God, he can use it to mold us, right? He can continue to form us through it.
And I think that's an example. Well, the third thing, so the, the first thing is we all fail. The second thing is don't be scared of it because there, there's actually an upside to it of some sort if we surrender it to God. And I think the third and most important thing is to kind of come back to where we left off last week. And that's kind of talking about where, where we are with God and sort of all this. And last week, if you weren't with us, it's online. You can go back and get it. But the two big, really big sweeps of this thing were going back to 1 John 4, where it talks about how perfect love drives out all fear. And the more we engage and receive and bask in God's love, the more we're pushing fear out of our lives. And along with that, we think about Matthew 6, where the more focused we can be on God's kingdom and his work that he calls us to do, the less anxious we'll be. And that's what Matthew 6 is all about and saying in that. And all of that leads us to what's in Matthew 7 of having this foundation that's built on rock and not on sand. And that's the place from which I think we engage in all these things that, that involve risk or the possibility of failure, whatever, because we know we're held as God's children. We're held in this rock-solid place. And the beauty of that place is that, it, that getting to that place has nothing to do with any kind of performance or any kind of achievement or anything that you really do other than receive because it's, it is all about grace. And that's a hard thing for us, I think. I, and I'm going to say something for us here. We're an affluent church. And so we have a lot of go-getters and a lot of high achievers. And we get to where we think, oh, I've got this. I don't need... I don't need this, but that's not what grace is. You don't earn this. You don't achieve it. You don't do anything. In fact, you don't deserve it, but God gives it to you. And I'm always looking for good examples of this. And some of you in the room will know that what's going to happen three weeks from today in the evening. Who knows? Super Bowl. So I've been reading, I saw an article that was talking about some of the, the crazy problems of the past on the Super Bowl. But some of y'all already remember back in the early 90s, like 90, 91, 92, uh, 93, the Buffalo Bills went all those years to the Super Bowl and never won. But the story I'd never seen, and ESPN recently, 20 years after the fact, did a, did a, a documentary on this, was it like all these four years. But the first year, they got down to the last like 30 seconds of the game, and uh, the Bills were on the 47-yard line, or it was 47-yard out kick, and the field goal kicker, Scott Norwood, comes out to kick, and he missed and the game ends and they lost, but they would have won if he'd have made it. And so the, the next week, they're going to have a reception back in Buffalo for him. And, and Scott does what I think I would have been inclined to do. He's at the back of the bus, back of the podium, back of whatever, just there but not wanting to be seen. And to his amazement, there were all these people holding up signs saying, we want Scott. We want Scott. And uh, I want to read to you just a couple things that he said on it. Um, and just think about, because I think this is a little bit of a model of grace to me. This is 20 years on. This is what he says about, that, about what happened on the field that night. He says, the way I feel about it, sorrow, I guess, and disappointment in letting down my teammates that are on the field of battle. I get choked up thinking about it, putting myself back in that situation. And so the next week, they arrive. There's 30,000 people, and they're holding up, some of them are holding up signs saying, we want Scott, we want Scott. And eventually, they start chanting, we want Scott. And he hadn't planned to say anything. He was planning to hide. So he, he, he eventually goes to the mic, but here's what he says. We got back to town. I did not know what to expect. What I really wanted to do was just remain behind the scenes, but there was a chant that intensified. I was not expecting to be called to the front like that. I had to speak off the top of my mind and real quick. I think in a sense, that's when the truest feelings arise. He goes on to say, 
I know that I've never felt more loved than I do right now. That's what he told, what he told the, the audience that was there for that reception. I think that is a small picture of grace. Because I think he really expected to be condemned. And he got welcomed with, you know, we love you. We want, we want to hear from you. And I think that's the way God is with us. And so when we are held in that place, that's the context in which I think we feel comfortable risking it, whatever it is, and putting it out there. And I think, you know, when you think about St. Paul and that, and that famous passage where he talks about, you know, I've run the race, finished in faith and all this, that it, he's not up there saying, oh, look, I won this heat and that heat. I did this and that and I did whatever. He's just saying I was in it in faith. And I think that's the deal. It's not about necessarily what we accomplish per se, but it's about being in that place and being held in that place and, and living our lives from that place. And I think, again, Paul in Philippians, when he's, about to, when he's potentially going to die, when he says to live as Christ and to die as gain, he's modeling that for us. Whatever, whatever happens, whatever happens whatsoever in this life, die, live, God's going to be glorified in it and I'm good. I think the challenge for us that I want to leave you with is, is to bring this back home to where you are today and ask what fears are holding you back, the fear of failure. What, f what fear of failure holds you back? In your spiritual life, are you afraid what it is to take that next step of, with God? Oh, he's going to make me do this or do that, or I'm not good enough. People are going to look at me like I'm a Christian and I know I'm going to mess it up. Or I'm afraid to ask somebody to church and do a little evangelism um, because I'm afraid they're going to say no because I'm afraid they're going to say no or I'm afraid to do something new with my family that's kind of out there because they're going to reject. Whatever it is, don't bury it. Don't be that third guy. Don't bury it. Put it out there. Take, it, take the failures. Everybody's got them. Learn from them. But always sit in that comfortable place of knowing how loved you are and just bask in that grace even at whether we're succeeding or failing, just live from that place is a place of strength and hope. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for loving us and calling us as your children. May we live a life of um, courage and strength from that place to face down the fears that come at us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.